Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're going to do that by turning to the book of 1 Samuel. If you have a Bible with you this morning, do turn to 1 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 1 of that chapter into chapter 7, and we'll spend some time in chapter 7 a little later on. As we begin this new year, let's hear what God's Word says. When the ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory for seven months, the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it back to its place. They answered, If you return the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it back to him without a gift. By all means, send a guilt offering to him. Then you will be healed and you will know why his hand has not been lifted from you. The Philistines asked, what guilt offering should we send to him? They replied, five gold tumors and five gold rats, according to the number of the Philistine rulers, because the same plague has struck both you and your rulers. Make models of the tumors and of the rats that are destroying the country and give glory to Israel's God. Perhaps he will lift his hand from you and your gods and your land. Why do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh did? When Israel's God dealt harshly with them, did they not send the Israelites out so that they could go on their way? Now then, get a new cart ready with two cows that have calved and have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take their calves away and pen them up. Take the ark of the Lord and put it on the cart, and in a chest beside it, put the gold object you are sending back to him as a guilt offering. Send it on its way, but keep watching it. If it goes up to its own territory, towards Beth Shemesh, then the Lord has brought this great disaster on us. But if it does not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck us, but that it happened to us by chance. So they did this. They took two such cows and hitched them to the cart and penned up their calves. They placed the ark of the Lord on the cart and along with it the chest containing the gold rats and the models of the tumors. Then the cows went straight up towards Beth Shemesh, keeping on the road and lowing all the way. They did not turn to the right or to the left. The rulers of the Philistines followed them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting their wheat in the valley, and when they looked up and saw the ark, they rejoiced at the sight. The cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh, and there it stopped beside a large rock. The people chopped up the wood of the cart and sacrificed the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord together with the chest containing the gold objects and placed them on the large rock. On that day, the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. The five rulers of the Philistines saw all this and then returned that same day to Ekron. These are the gold tumors the Philistines sent as a guilt offering to the Lord, one each for Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. And the number of the gold rats was according to the number of Philistine towns belonging to the five rulers, the fortified towns with their country villages. The large rock on which the Levites set the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. But God struck down some of the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, putting 70 of them to death because they looked into the ark of the Lord. The people mourned because of the heavy blow the Lord had dealt them. And the people of Beth Shemesh asked, 
Who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? Then they sent messengers to the people of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to your town. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord. They brought it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to guard the ark of the Lord. The ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim a long time, twenty years in all. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourself of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel continued as Israel's leader all the days of his life. From year to year he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all those places. But he always went back to Ramah, where his home was. And there he also held court for Israel. And he built an altar there to the Lord's. Amen. We thank God for his words and we return to it. A little later and see what God has uh, to say to us. Well, if you've got a Bible, please turn back with me to 1 Samuel chapter 7. And as we turn there, let's uh, pray together. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity to be shaped by your words as we start a, a new year together. Uh, please speak to us and help us to hear what you have to say to us as a church family this morning uh, for our good and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a new year is upon us, and with us, with it comes 366 days uh, this year. Uh, so we've got that extra bonus day in uh, February. Uh, that's 8,784 
hours of, of potential, of, of opportunity. Who knows what's going to happen in uh, this year ahead? Who's going to win that general election that we were told earlier this week is going to happen uh, later this year? Are Wales going to make it to another European football championships? We can only hope, uh, can't we, uh, more seriously? Uh, will the, the fighting that's going on this morning in, in Gaza and in Ukraine, uh, will that come to an end at some point uh, this uh, year? Who knows where we're going to be at the end of 2024? And the same can be said of our lives, can't it? There are unknowns that we know about and those that we don't. There are many possibilities in uh, the year ahead of us, aren't there? Uh, maybe you'll have a big decision to make at work, whether you uh, move jobs or, or maybe you'll get a job. Maybe you will uh, move house or maybe you will uh, be finishing one chapter at school and starting a, a, a new one. And you've got to choose what are you going to do next. Maybe you're facing uh, difficulties and trials in your family life or because of your health. Maybe you know full well that some of these things or things like them are, are coming uh, your way uh, this year and so as we enter this uh, this new year in, in different ways depending on our circumstances we can be full of anticipation or we can be full of nervousness apprehension uh, maybe as we gather on this first Sunday of 2024 uh, we recognize that the start of a new year gives us uh, opportunity uh, to pause and to reflect on, on what's gone before us and to consider what could come in the year ahead, whether we are full of anticipation or, or apprehension and, and worry. And so as we set out this morning, we've got to recognize, haven't we, that we live in a world that's not random. We're not here by accident. 2024 has arrived because the one true living God has said so. He has seen it to be wise and good in his perfect and wise plans and purposes that, that we be here, that we're living where we are for such a time as this. God is sovereign and God is good. That has always been true. It was in 2023 and it will be true in 2024. And so this morning, brothers and sisters, I want us to find great encouragement as this new year lies before us in the words that we've read this morning. In 1 Samuel and chapter 7 and verse 12, those are words that you might uh, know well, but even if you've never really considered them before, then on uh, this uh, first Sunday of a new year, I want us to see how, how precious they are for you uh, individually, for your family, and for us as a church family uh, here at Bethel. And that verse says this, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far the Lord has helped us. Here's a great source of encouragement for you, Christian, this morning, as we look out on uh, this year to come. But maybe as you're listening to this uh, this morning, friend, you know in your heart of heart that you're, you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're beginning a new year without having your trust in him. And if that is you, then I trust that this morning you, you'll see that a new year without Jesus is, is hopeless, but with him it will be hopeless. Full, And so then, uh, let's firstly be encouraged uh, from this verse by the fact that the Lord has helped us. The Lord has helped us. The Lord helps his people. And that's very clear in the context in which we find uh, this verse in uh, 1 Samuel this morning. We've always got to be careful never to 
rip a verse out of its context uh, in which it's found in the, the surrounding verses and the chapters here in 1 Samuel, they leave us in no doubt of this truth of the sovereign help of Almighty God. And we are in the, the setting of the ministry of a prophet called Samuel. Uh, you might know that he played an incredibly important uh, role at a key point in the history of the people of God. Could make the case he's one of uh, Israel's greatest figures alongside those like Moses and David. And the first three chapters of 1 Samuel, they tell us of how out of a humanly impossible situation, God brought into the world and then called this Samuel to be the, the first prophet after a tragic period of Israel's history. It was known as the time of the judges when there was no king in Israel and they all did what they saw fit. And Samuel was raised up in that context to serve as, as God's chosen instrument to establish the kingship of Israel. He anointed Israel's first king, Saul. He anointed Israel's second king, David. And you can read from chapter 8 of 1 Samuel onwards about those things. But the number of chapters we find Samuel in, it's not all that many really in the context of the whole Bible. We don't know loads and loads about him. And yet the time that he served the Lord was a really pivotal one. That's because we know from chapter 4 that in his early days as, as a prophet, the Philistine army, they defeated Israel in battle. Israel's enemy had, been, had beaten the people of God. And so the soldiers from Israel who survived, they went and they spoke to the elders of Israel and they asked if they could take the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them because they thought that if they did that, maybe they'd win. They might get victory. They might be saved. So they had their way. They took this Ark of the Covenant into, the camp, into their camp. But the superstitious plan that they had it didn't work. It failed. The Philistine army fought the Israelites. They defeated them. They caused every man to flee, we read. And 30,000 soldiers were lost. The Ark of God was captured. And you might be thinking, well, so what? Don't we all lose things? But this is of a really different magnitude. The Ark of the Covenant, it symbolized the presence of God with his people it was where he more keenly made himself known to them and the issue was this that the elders of israel they had this magical view of the ark of god it was some kind of guarantee that god would come and be to them what they need when they needed it and so they were relying on human techniques they were relying on human schemes uh, to save them god was some kind of magic genie and so when they lost the ark, it symbolized that the Lord was not with them, which was so distressing that when the news of it came to Eli, the judge of Israel at the time, we read in chapter 4 that he falls backwards from his chair, breaks his neck and dies. And so the next couple of chapters, they tell us about what happened to the Philistines while they kept the ark in their land. And so that's why we read chapter 6 to get some context of it was so terrible. They were knowing such affliction. They just wanted to send the ark back. They wanted to get rid of it. But what's so sad about all of this is that even though the Israelites had lost the ark, it was such a distressing thing, the nation of Israel was not ready, was not willing even, to come before the Lord in genuine total repentance for what they had done, for the way they'd given him no thought at all. Verse uh, 2 of, of chapter 7 tells us that it took 20 years, 20 years, before the people of Israel turn back to the Lord and seeks 
Samuel to restore their relationship with God. And so that's bringing us to chapter 7, where we're focusing in on this morning, where Samuel gathers all the people together at a town called Mizpah. And in verse 6, we're told that on that day, they fasted and confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. They confess their failings. They confess their shortcomings to the Lord. They acknowledge that they have sinned against him. They confess their collective unfaithfulness to the God who is always faithful. And as they are gathered at Mizpah, the Philistines hear about this. They hear that they're all assembled there and they see it as an opportunity to go and attack the Israelites again. And when they hear of this coming attack, they, they panic and they plead with Samuel in verse 8, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And so this time they are relying on the Lord to rescue them from the Philistines. They're not thinking superstitiously. This isn't a magical view of God this time. They really are relying on him. And so Samuel does what they request. He sacrifices a lamb to the Lord on behalf of the people. And as he did that, the Philistines close in to attack. But look at what we read in verse 9. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. Verse 10, that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. God heard the cries of his people through Samuel and he delivers them. He comes to their rescue. And so it is with all that in mind we get to our text this morning that we're zoning in on. Samuel in light of all this, of the Lord's wonderful deliverance against the backdrop of Israel's unfaithfulness, he commemorates this mighty intervention of God on behalf of his people. So that's why we have verse 12. Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. The result of that being so, the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. Samuel set up a, a stone. In the Hebrew language, that word Ebenezer means a stone of help. Eben, meaning stone. Ezer, meaning help. And so Samuel wanted the people to remember, not just for the day, or for a few days, or even for a few weeks or months, or even years, but for decades and for generations, he wants them to remember how God had come to rescue his people when they humbly repented before him. They were small, they were vulnerable, their enemies were approaching them to attack them. And yet again, having suffered heavy defeats, even in their recent history by these Philistines, they know they don't deserve God's rescue down through the years they'd been disobedient, the days of the judges showed how disobedient they were. And even in that previous chapter of, of 1 Samuel, their chronic unfaithfulness was evident. It took them 20 years to come back to the Lord in repentance. They were unfaithful, but God was faithful. And he always is. In his graciousness, in his undeserved kindness to his covenant people, God keeps his promise. He kept, he upheld, he sustained his people. 
specifically, in this instance, he intervened with thunder to throw the Philistines into confusion, to, to bring them to defeat. Uh, the Lord had helped his people. He was the great helper. And it was so evident in this instance to, to look back and to see what the Lord had done for them, to see the victory he had given them, to say that this far the Lord had helped them. And if you're a Christian here this morning, then your testimony is one too, where you can say this, thus far the Lord has helped you. You can testify to how the Lord has personally helped you in this last week, and through the last year, and indeed throughout all of your life. He has been your helper. He's been there helping you even when you didn't even realize it. And so you can join in with uh, David who writes in Psalm 54, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. You know, don't you, that you only are where you are now because of the help of God. Because he is your help. Because thus far the Lord has helped you. Through poverty or wealth or sickness or health. In joy, in trial, in perplexity, in prayer, in quietness, in temptation. Wherever you've been, you know that this is true, don't you, Christian? That this far, the Lord has helped you. Maybe you've known real times of trial or, or difficulties in the past. Maybe you're going through such sufferings and sorrows right now. And yet, in the face of it all, here you are this morning, enjoying a new day uh, by the grace of God. And you know that he has brought you safe this far, and grace will lead you home. The Lord's helped us, hasn't he? We've known that personally in many ways. We've known that together too. The Lord has helped us. And it is wonderfully encouraging as we start out on a new year to remind ourselves of how the Lord has helped us. Maybe you could encourage someone later this morning over a cup of tea downstairs afterwards. You could share with someone how the Lord has helped you and how he has done that time and time again and proven his faithfulness to you. The Lord has helped us and we can look back on how the Lord has kept us and has led us in our lives. How we can say with confidence and with thankfulness, yes, the Lord really has helped me. He has helped us. And so may God help us to do that this morning, to, to thank him, to keep on thanking him for that help. That he has helped us through our lives thus far and bringing us to this very point this morning at the start of a new year. But there's another aspect of this verse that I want to turn your attention to now because it is it's something that's only struck me in, in recent years. I've not really thought about it in, in this way before, but it acts as a great springboard of confidence for us as we enter a new year. Yes, the Lord has helped us, but now secondly, I want us to see that the Lord will help us. The Lord will help us. And you might think I'm repeating myself, uh, but I'm not quite. Everything that we've considered so far has been about looking back, about thinking of and thanking God for how he has helped us. But this verse also has within it an inherent promise that the Lord will help us. It, it points us forward. As we go on with him, he will continue to help us. The Lord will help us. Samuel sets up this stone and names it Ebenezer, saying... Thus far the Lord has helped us. Maybe your Bible says, till now the Lord 
has helped us. And that can seem like it's just pointing us back to think about what's gone before. And that is absolutely true. We've considered that. We are to look back. But this verse also points us forward. So we thought about the calendar this morning. And so when someone asks you if you're going on holiday, maybe later this year, when are you going away? And you tell them, well, I'm going away until next Wednesday. What you mean by that is that you're not going to be here until then. And then when the Thursday comes around, you're going to be back. You're going to be back and around again. And so uh, when we read till now or thus far, the Lord has helped us, we're seeing that we're not yet at the end. So if you were to to drive up to London uh, on the M4 this week from here, maybe you'd stop for a break uh, on the way. You'd stop at a service station and you might tell your, your family, you might send them a WhatsApp message and you'd say, this is how I'm getting on. You might say something like, well, the journey's been good so far. We've had a good uh, journey. There hasn't been much traffic so far. You might say, so far, so good, because you're not yet at your destination. There are still more miles to cover in the car before you get to London. And that, of course, was the case for the people of God here in 1 Samuel 7. Not that they were going to London, but that this was not the end of their story. There were many more dangers and toils and snares to come. And Samuel puts up this stone of help because the Lord had delivered them. The Lord had granted them victory, but in no way was it a declaration of final victory. We know from the rest of our Bibles that that was far from the case. It wouldn't have been right for this stone to signify a final victory. But the point is this, that up to that point, the Lord had helped them in delivering them. In providing for them in every way, he had kept them. In this latest episode, he had gone before them. He had defeated the enemy. And because the people of God, they weren't out of the woods yet, by any means, this Ebenezer had a part to play to remind the nation to keep the faith in the days ahead because of what had gone before. Thus far, the Lord had helped them. And in the days ahead, the Lord would continue to help them, despite their unfaithfulness and their disobedience. And brothers and sisters, our God does not change. He cannot change. And he will continue to uphold and to sustain his people. And so it's the same for us this morning. As we remember Samuel's prayer, our story is not yet over, whether that is individual or as a church. Individually, we know that we will, inevitably, We'll face more trials, we'll face more joys, we'll face more temptations, more victories, more battles, more strength, more prayers prayed, sickness, disease, old age. And then even when death comes, we will awake in the likeness of Jesus, face to face with him in the great eternal gathering of his people, in the glory of God, in the fullness of eternity, in the infinity of bliss. The Lord will help us through every single moment and he will ultimately help us home. And so that is why Spurgeon encourages us with these words, Oh, be of good courage, believer, and with grateful confidence, raise your Ebenezer. At the start of this new year, brothers and sisters, we can say that God has been our help and he will be our help. And we know that our hearts are helpless Apart from the grace of God, aren't they? They're so helpless. You and I are so prone to wander as we've sung this morning. And yet, today we can realign our souls. We can refocus our minds and our hearts to set out this year walking more closely with the Lord. 
Because as we live our lives in 2024, we live confidently with the past behind us and the future in front of us, knowing who our God is and all he has proven himself to be. He is, as we've sung this morning, that fount of every blessing. He's the one whose steadfast love never ceases. It's new to us every day. Every week of the year, as we read at the start of our service, because of his great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And of course, all of this is true for us who are Christians. Not only because the Lord has shown himself good and faithful in those smaller and countless kindnesses and rescues, those that we know of and the many that we don't even realize have happened. But most supremely, it's shown in the death of his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The prime example of his goodness, the chief evidence of his faithfulness, the mountaintop of his redeeming love is that Ebenezer that we call Calvary. It's at the cross where we find that blessed assurance that the Lord has helped us, the firm foundation that the Lord will help us. For it is at the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ gave up his life, his blood was shed to rescue people such as you and me who were off wandering like sheep without a shepherd. It's there we look back to that point where the Lord has delivered us. We can point to the cross and say it is there that we have victory through faith in the Son of God who gave himself for us. It's there we have victory over sin and death and hell because of Jesus Christ. And so because God has not spared his own son but has given us up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? How much more will he now save us from the dangers to come? Whatever trial it is that you're facing, uh, dear brother, sister, the reality is that if you belong to Jesus Christ, then he will surely bring you safely home. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The God who has helped us until now, the one who has kept us thus far, will go on working in us and through us until his gracious purposes for us are complete in this life. A day is coming. For each of us, when life on this earth will be no more. Unless the Lord Jesus returns before that. And when we reach that final resting place, we'll each raise our Ebenezer. We'll each testify how undeserving we sinners are to be in such a perfect place. In all of the, the glory of God that it will be unto our magnific magnificent saviour Jesus. And it will all be because why? Because he's helped us from beginning to end. We were lost and he's found us. We were weak and he strengthened us. We were vulnerable and he has kept us. We were ready to throw in the towel, but he helped us to keep going in the faith. And so it is because of this, because of his help, that any of us will make it safely home to heaven. We will be an eternal monument to the mercy of God who graciously helps his people. Individually, the Lord has helped us. And we can be confident that he will help us. The Lord will help you, friend. This is very much true for us as, as individuals, but this is also true for us as a church. The Lord will go before us and help us this year as a church. 
and we know that he's helped us in the past. He has been good and faithful to you as a fellowship down through these last years and decades. This place has known much blessing. There have been difficult times like there is in every church. But there's also been many encouragements. And even in the last years, uh, the Lord has helped you in calling me and my family uh, back to this church that means so much to all of us. And we thank him for that. The Lord has kept this church with faithful ministry Sunday by Sunday. Maybe your testimony is one where the Lord has saved you through the work of this church over many years. Maybe it was more recently. Maybe it was a little while ago now. But the light of the gospel continues to shine here. And the Lord has helped us thus far. And we're grateful for that, aren't we? We're grateful that God has done that. But hopefully, as we begin this new year together, you're not yearning after the past. You're not comparing things now with how they used to be, whatever that is in your mind. And you think, oh, how much better those days were. Hopefully, you are anticipating That the Lord will help us this year. We can do nothing of eternal good without his help, can we? And so hopefully you are full of expectancy because the Lord is not done with us yet. Now come back with me to the journey that we're taking to London up the M4 in the car. And vital to our journey is our rearview mirror. You maybe remember your driving lessons that you had, however long ago that was. And you learn to drive and you need your your mirrors either side and you need your rear view mirror. So much so that your driving instructor tells you that when you get in the car to sit your test, you might not even need to move your rear view mirror, but just play with it anyway and show the person doing the test that I know that this mirror is important. We need it, don't we, to see what's behind us and what cars are behind us. And so it is this morning, I want us to take that illustration and and take hold of it. We've got to be mindful of what's behind us. We need that that rear view mirror. That's the ground we have covered. And if we haven't covered that, we wouldn't be here now. But hopefully you don't drive facing backwards. You drive facing forwards. You need that rear view mirror. So important. But we don't drive facing behind. We drive facing ahead. And what I'm trying to say is that, yes, thus far the Lord has helped us. But there's more distance to travel. There is more ground to break. There are people who have not yet heard about Jesus in this town, and they're waiting for us to tell them about him. There are people who this year, he will lead to us, he will lead us personally to them, that we might tell them about Jesus. There are those that he's working in, those that he's preparing to hear the gospel, and we must be obedient to the commission of Jesus to go. And to make him known in those places that he's put us. In school, in the office, at the school gate, in the street, or in the cul-de-sac where you live. With the neighbours that he's put around you. And it is as we go in the strength of the Lord who will help us. That he will build his church in this place. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I wonder, brothers and sisters, is that how you look forward to this new year? Are you full of anticipation about what the Lord could do among us, working in us and through us for his glory? Or have you settled maybe for the, the way things are in your mind? You're a bit downbeat, you're a bit despairing. Or are you prayerfully excited? Are you prayerfully expectant of what this year could hold for us? And you might be thinking, well, here's the new pastor, full of enthusiasm. What else would you expect? 
in the early days. Just give it a bit of time and it'll wear off. Naivety of youth. And maybe you think, well, brothers and sisters, you might be right. I'm not loaded with decades of experience and I'm probably naive about some things. And I do need to learn many things as time goes by. But one thing I do know, the Lord will help us. The Lord will help us. He who made heavens and earth will help us. He who gave his one and only son will help us. He who set his love upon us from before the dawn of time will help us. He who's redeemed us out of darkness into light, he'll help us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? The Lord will help us. By his spirit, he will strengthen us and empower us and go before us and be to us all that we need that we might fulfill our calling as the people of God in this place. There is incredible opportunity that lies ahead of us this year. And you know how we make the most of that? Because you could be tempted to think that this is all a little bit up in the air, a little bit abstract, and it's just me giving a bit of a pep talk to start the new year. But it's not that at all. How we make this a reality for us, how we know the Lord on our side and helping us is found here in this chapter this morning. In 1 1 Samuel 7, verse 2, we read this. Then all of the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. The people turned back to the Lord. And Bethel, as we conclude uh, this morning, as we look to the year ahead, we must make it a priority to turn back to the Lord. To do what Samuel encouraged the people of God to do at the time. To return to the Lord with all your hearts, not a bit of it, but with all of it. And to rid yourself of foreign gods. You're probably not worshipping an asteroid pole this morning. But there are idols in your life. There are things that are stopping you from walking closely with the Lord. And this morning, we're encouraged to turn away from those things and to turn back to the Lord. To make Him a priority as we set out on this new year. To turn back to Him again. To turn to Him again and again and again and again. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for decades. You need to turn back to the Lord this morning. You, Christian, you only need to ever rely on Him. You need to trust yourself to Him Again, at the outset of 2024, you need to commit yourself to him in freshness, to walk closely with him again this year. Turn back to the Lord. And maybe you are a Christian here this morning, but you're not walking closely with your God. You are worshipping and focusing on other things instead of him. You've very much wandered far away. Jesus is not a priority for you as you begin this new year. And you know how prone you are uh, to wander. And this morning, the Lord is calling you back to turn to him again. To come and commit yourself to him and to his word and to his people, to his church here. And to be a part of his great plan for you. That he might use you mightily in his service in this place. Will you come and do that this morning? Will you come back to Jesus and trust in him? Don't delay it any longer, but come and turn back to the Lord this morning. But maybe you are listening to this and you know you're not a Christian. You can't say that you've ever turned to the Lord at all. And so why not make today that first time when you turn to him? You turn to him in faith. He alone is the great helper. He alone is the one who has helped you without you even knowing it, that you have got this far. And he will help you 
And friend, you were in great need of this help this morning. You need help to get out of the sorry state of sin that you find yourself in. And at the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ's help is found to deal with your sin. He dies in your place that your sin might be dealt with, which is such an offense to a holy God. And if you will trust in him, then you will know the faithful love of God for all of eternity, no matter what this year holds for you. We must all turn to the Lord this morning, that it might set the tone for the year to come. May we be a church who together turn to the Lord, rely on him and help him and seek him to help us as he has in the past. He is proven. He is trustworthy. He's worthy of our trust. And you and I, brothers and sisters, we can be confident. We can confidently look forward because of what he's done in the past, most ultimately seen in his son, that he will continue to help us and to provide for us in every way in the year ahead. The Lord has helped us. The Lord will help us. He helped us yesterday. He helps us today and he will help us tomorrow. I wonder, brothers and sisters, will you make this verse your own and seek the help of the Lord in all that you do this year? Because thus far, the Lord has helped us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us and that you never change. We praise you that you have helped us in the past and you will help us in the future. Thank you that you have proven that most of all in the giving of your son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you have helped deal with the greatest problem of our sin at the cross. And we pray that you would enable us by your spirit to look to you each day, to turn to you and to rely on you for all that we need as individuals and as a church together in the year to come. Please would you be merciful to us, Lord, this morning. And would you help us to trust in you that we might rely upon you, the Lord who always helps. In Jesus' name. Amen.